Do you want to get cognitive dissonance streamed to your iPhone or BlackBerry? If so, download Stitcher free today at Stitcher.com. Conspiracy theorist and the Minister for Yelling, Alex Jones, welcome to The Herd Mentality. Thanks for your time. Now, my listeners... They know your script. How do you think they perceive the quality of this show? It's very low. Probably the most factually correct thing we'll hear from you this interview. How do you think our discussion might affect listeners? Anybody knows that if somebody jumps off the Empire State's building, they put cops up there the next day because copycats come to do it again. So simply listening to this show could actually drive people to suicide? I actually actually did pull up the statistics. Here, let me pull them out right here. I figured you'd do that. Enlighten me. Uh, There were about 11,458. Sounds about right. But how would you describe listeners of your own show? Hordes of people burning down cities and beating old women's brains out every day. I see. We have a lot in common. What sort of weapons do they use? Have you seen the FBI numbers? Knives, bats, rocks. Now, you realize I'm most likely going to copy and paste this out of context, yes? I'm sick of the same old script here, bud. Very well, bud. So let's switch it up a gear. You openly admit that you're a recreational user of over a dozen drugs. How about Prozac? No, thank you. No, I'm trying to quit. I want to get lost pills. Which pills specifically? Mass murder pills. They make mass murder pills? Do you have a bodyguard? No. Should I consider one? Why do you have bodyguard? I don't yet, but I feel like I probably should get some. Perhaps arm them with... uh, Uh, M4 AR-15 variants. A reasonable precaution. Uh, How many uh, chimpanzees can dance on the head of a pin? Um... Maybe one? Over 140. I have the proof. No, it's okay. I'm prepared to believe it on face value. You're a hatchet man. And I want to say this right here. You think you're a tough guy? Have me back with a boxing ring in here, and I'll wear red, white, and blue, and you can wear your Jolly Roger. Hmm. The issue of gun control in the U.S. 1776 will commence again if you try to take our firearms. No, but... but Oh, whoa, gotta cut that off, don't you? No, I... More guns means less crime. How do we... The Second Amendment isn't there for duck hunting. No, it's... Well, we did it as a way to bring attention to the fact that we have all of these foreigners and the Russian government, the official Chinese government... Mao said political power goes out of the barrel of a gun. He killed about 80 million people because he's the only guy that had the guns. You're not being reasonable. And when they get our guns, they can have their world tyranny. They need them to protect us from the number one killer in history. Wait. We will not relinquish them. Do you understand? Alex, did you just orgasm? Yes, I am finished. Okay, so then... The tyrants did it. Hitler took the guns. Stalin took the guns. Mao took the guns. Oh, this is pointless. Armored vehicles, tanks, helicopters, predator drones, armed, now in U.S. skies. Alex, stop. If you had one outcome for the safety of the U.S., what would it be? Total gun ban for the citizens. Oh, thank goodness. Alex Jones, president of the One Direction fan club, thanks for your time. Criminal elements of the military-industrial complex, the same ones that staged Gulf of Tonkin, the same ones that staged Operation, the mass shootings. Be advised that this show is not for children, the faint of heart, or the easily offended. The explicit tag is there for a reason. Recording from Glory Hole Studios in Chicago, this is Cognitive Dissonance. Every episode we blast anyone who gets in our way. We bring critical thinking, skepticism, and irrelevance and irreverence <laughs> to anybody that... <laughs> you can't even finish it! <laughs> to any topic... 
I don't know, to a bunch of shit. Anyway, <laughs> here we are, episode 159, fucking nailing it from the gate. Oh, God. Nailing it from the gate, Cecil. You know, I'm just saying, we have an amazing voiced Australian on. I might actually ask him, you know, I think we might have a job opening, Adam. <laughs> I don't know if you're interested, but we need somebody who can actually get through the fucking intro without fucking it up. Is that a possibility? Welcome to Cognitive Dissonance. <laughs> <laughs> An eclectic weekly mix of uh, consistent cock-ups, mess-ups, and screw-ups from Tom. Coming up after the break, your chance to call in and tell us who needs to die. <laughs> yeah, you're hired. Tom, you're fired. Yeah, all right. I'm dropping the mic. I'm out. So it's good. It's good. Congratulations, um, Tom, on uh, not your 159th episode, but actually getting the number of the episode right. Oh, thank yeah. you. Thank mm. you. You know, I had to use the script. Oh, I used the... I use a script that one of our listeners actually put together. It's uh, very valuable. It adds one so, to the higher so number. And I've, so not something I've that found you actually worked for? Oh, no, no, no. There's nothing <laughs> that I actually have worked for. Right. Yeah, spe- no. Speaking Zero of stuff things. that uh, you also didn't work for, uh, you, you manufactured a smaller child. So a round of applause there, too. Oh, thank you very much. Yeah, that was, uh, that was delightful, actually. The manufacturing process for people... Fucking, that's amazing. I highly recommend that, by the way. That's great. I look forward to learning. The uh, The birth process looks really hard, though. I just want to say, uh, again, just like this show, I had nothing to do with it, but people still congratulated me. I don't know. They're like, hey, great job. I'm like, really? Because, I mean, when I fuck my wife, she doesn't say that. So that's really the only involvement I have. She doesn't even, she doesn't even smack my ass and say good game. Are you kidding me? <laughs> So, so you're sort of putting on level pegging, listening to cognitive dissonance and childbirth, both equally painful yeah. in your view. <laughs> I don't know. I think uh, cognitive dissonance, at least with at least with childbirth, you can opt for an epidural. <laughs> <laughs> and with cognitive dissonance, we just have to rely on a crystal meth to get us through right. the uh, right exactly. to, to, to our drive a fucking nail into your ears. That's about the yeah. only way that you can get Pretty through this it. fucking nonsense. So how is is it a little uh, boy or a little girl? It's a little boy. He's uh, he's a little early, so he's he's very very small. He's uh, he came home. He was four pounds five ounces. He's five weeks early, but a little boy. He's doing great. Um, very healthy. Um, he's gaining weight like uh, like my son is, you know. He's, he's, like expected, he's got so. good genes. He's got good genes, you know, Tom. Right. Like, it, like, I, like I, I look at him and I'm like, man, the only thing anybody wants you to do right now is put on weight. You're my son. Yeah. This is going to be easy for you. You have one job. Just, right. You were born to do this. <laughs> you know, and everybody, like, he gains a pound. He gained a pound in nine days. And everybody's like, great job. And I'm like, fucking, I gained, like, three pounds in the same amount of time. <laughs> Nobody's telling me, great Nobody's, job. Yeah. Yeah. They're just like, oh, can you take the Krispy Kremes out of your hair? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Why are you covered in frosting, sir? Yeah, I don't yeah. I get all the bullshit questions. Yeah. Tom, is he? Uh, did he? Did he get a biblical name like Moses? Or, no, he got uh, a. Uh, so my my wife's family um, is just uh, they're two generations removed from Ireland, so they've got like a real uh, strong family heritage and tradition there. So we we opted with an Irish name. His name is Eamon. Um Our other son's name is Finnegan. So. We uh, we went that route. I, I basically will do anything to appease my wife is really what it comes down to, because being pregnant looks fucking awful. Like it's just it just looks like the fucking it looks like the meanest thing you could do to your wife possible. It's like 
first of all, she had to suffer through sex with me, right? <laughs> yeah, right. So right, like sure. that can't be pleasant. Like that's a fucking that, that's and it's far it's far from a full time job. Oh, are you kidding me? It's not even a part-time job. So, like, she has to suffer through that nonsense, and that's, like, you know, 28 seconds out of her life. And then she has to be pregnant for the better part of a fucking year, and that just looks awful. So, basically, she could say, like, I want to name him anything at all. Fucking anything. She'd be like, I want to name him fucking Zebra Banana Pants. I'd be like, great, awesome name, beautiful. I love it. Let's go with it. Zebra banana pants would have been a pretty great name. Yeah. Would come right so, down to it. preferable to calling him Ray Comfort. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think it sounds like your wife has standards. Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, very low standards, yeah. but still yeah. standards. So the, the first story that I want to talk about comes from the consumerist. Uh, Dr. Oz grilled by Senator over miracle weight loss claims. And it's funny, Cecil, because we, we posted this. Uh, story to our Facebook and our Twitter page. And, and there were some people who came to Dr. Oz's defense with some vigor and alacrity. I was I was very surprised. Um, so Dr. Uh, Mehmet Oz was called in front of Congress and they asked him such hard hitting questions as, is there any evidence for this shit? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think that the surprise of the claim is directly proportional to the expression on his face in the photograph oh, of the yeah. article you sent to me because <laughs> awesome. he looks like he's um, one of those roosters that sort of preens under his wing. He's got this, he's got the beak out, the uh, the eyebrows are, are well and truly two-thirds of the way up his forehead they as if are. to say, how, you, you, hang on, you're questioning me as, yeah. as if... What you want facts? To me, this this picture looked like a, a fart snuck out of him and surprised even him. He was like trying to hold. He's like, whoa! Well, and the guy clearly knows he did it because he's looking right next to Mister Peeler is or whatever is right. looking right at him. Right? Like, he's like, that was you, Doctor Oz. Do you, do you think that's one of the weight loss strategies? Yeah, that he was <laughs> aiming towards. If if maybe it is, I'd some... be fucking buoyant. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> maybe there was some solids and liquids with the gas. That's <laughs> it all. All three states of matter at once, and boom, there's your miracle white Well, that's what happens when you drink so much fucking green tea. I mean, come on, that's just, you got to expect that Goji berry juice. Guys, I'm I'm not a doctor. Neither am I. But I'm I'm prepared to have an opinion on this. (laughs) So am I. (laughs) I've spoken to doctors, and pretty much every doctor who isn't crazy or a television star says exercise... And right. healthy food. Yep. Oh, that's bullshit. <laughs> How would that work? That's oppressive. You know, he did is. Senator McCaskill in this in this interview, he does he does quote three statements, uh, Adam, that Dr. Oz had made. So I'd like to I'd like to read these three statements to kind of have you talk about them. Because I think that these are you know, Dr. Oz, I think, put up a spirited defense of the following statements uh, regarding green coffee. Spiritual. Extract. Spiritual, but when you when you do read these to me, could you add a little authenticity, please, by using the Deepak accent? No, I cannot. As a matter of fact, because that is a <laughs> shitty accent that I made up at the moment and cannot replicate. <laughs> so, Doctor Oz says regarding green coffee extract, you may think magic is make believe, but this little bean. <laughs> Stop! Hang on, hang on, hang on. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> Sorry. Can, can we go back and just start that yeah. one again? Um, well, you know, what, what occurs to me is that Dr. Oz would have gotten away with this if it wasn't for those meddling kids. But anyway, right. um, he says regarding green coffee extract, you may think magic is make-believe, but this little bean... 
<laughs> yeah, that one. That one that was called. As scientists saying they found the magic weight loss solution for every body type. Hmm. Regarding raspberry ketones. I've got the number one miracle, as opposed to the number two miracle? <laughs> Aren't miracles just miraculous? Anyway, I've got the number one miracle in a bottle to burn your fat. Regarding Garcinia Cambogia, it may be the simple solution you've been looking for to bust your body fat for good. So I don't see why anybody would take objection to those uh, modest and humble no, it claims. it looks like the sort of stuff that was taken directly from the cover of Women's Day <laughs> magazine. Or, exactly. <laughs> but, uh, look, I just can't get enough of this first one. You may think that magic is make-believe. <clears throat> he's a doctor, yes? Yeah. yeah. He's actually supposed to be, supposedly, he's actually a very gifted heart surgeon. Like, legitimately, mm. outside of his fucking bullshit show... I'm to understand that he is actually a very gifted heart surgeon. How do you justify beliefs when, when obviously being a heart surgeon, sort of cutting into people and playing around with their internal workings and their plumbing, this is not straightforward stuff, contrary to what <laughs> you may be led to believe from watching things on the TV. So you actually do have to do a lot of school and you do have to do a lot of critical thinking. But he's obviously found very little time beyond that to question his own stance on what magic is and whether it you know whether it exists so this story comes from the new york post uh, muslim terrorists kill dozens of kenyans who fail islam quiz uh, thank God it wasn't a chemistry test because I'd have been fucked. What does um, a Scantron look for, right? for this quiz? It's, it's like it's like one of those old timey computer ones with the holes, except for the holes are bullet holes. <laughs> <laughs> you forget to bring your nine millimeter pencil yeah. to class. Like, God damn it! Um, so these fucking in Nairobi, Kenya, these these gunmen go door to door um, in uh, and, and Nairobi is not exactly like, you know, sometimes you hear about this stuff and it happens in, you know, sort of like little known lesser communities, kind of in the bush, kind of rural areas where some fighting and endemic violence is kind of a, a part and parcel of the world. They're not to say it's any better, but fucking Nairobi is as fucking high. I'm not rural in Kenya as you can get anyway. Gunny went door to door uh, in the coastal town demanding to know if the men inside were Muslim and if they spoke Somali. And if they didn't like the answers, they fucking executed them. They just fucking executed them uh, to the tune of dozens of people. It is the worst. It is the fucking worst Girl Scout cookie presentation <laughs> I've ever heard. <laughs> worst door to door sales pitch ever. Right? Fucking Willie Loman would be ashamed. I. I'm terrified that the U.S. is sort of heading in the same direction where with the number of guns that are now on the, <laughs> on the streets that you're going to have the JWs or the Memphis Preaching Group or whoever turn up at your door and say, hi, we'd like to talk to you about Jesus. <laughs> and they sort of... <laughs> when was Jesus' birthday? Oh, Jesus. Oh, 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 oh hang on. Oh, no, uh, um, Zero. Christmas. 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 And they go, they go all right. And so they, they sort of fire a shot into the sky. Right. And then uh, and say, okay, 
What was Jesus's favourite colour? And you go, ah, 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 seven. <laughs> and then cop a bullet to the temple. Yeah, it's clearly red. I mean, come on. <laughs> clearly red. It's always covered in red. Do you, th- do you think this is perhaps how atheists should perhaps get some more publicity? No. Furthering our agenda. I think it would be very effective, Tom. <laughs> you just walk door well, to door. Here's the problem. If what are we going to ask him? Like when Sartre was born? Like, I mean- <laughs> How many gods don't exist? Yeah, right. <laughs> Quick, quote something from Bertrand Russell. Fuck yeah. it, what are you doing? I don't even know what that is. What well, happened on Cosmos last night? Well, uh, I don't- well my pastor said, bam. Fuck. They've got this, this flow chart at the beginning and they walk in, they sort of unroll it, take it out of the tube, blue tank it to the walls. Right, right. As, as everyone puts on their balaclavas and gets the video camera set up. And they, <laughs> they go down and go, okay, do you understand why they're still monkeys? Yes or no? All right. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't stop at shooting people because <laughs> that'd be ridiculous. Oh, yeah. I mean, come um, on. They even took the time out of their day to torch a couple of houses. Uh, in this photo here, I can see somebody's bicycle has been burned to a crisp because clearly it didn't know enough about the Quran either. <laughs> <laughs> So they, there was really no expense spared. So when it came mad at to... the bicycle. Like, <laughs> when I checked the compartment, there was not a Koran. So we are going to light it on fire. It, well, maybe maybe there were two bi- blue bicycles next to each other. Yeah. You know, it wasn't a blue bicycle next to a pink tricycle. Right. And that was the that was the giveaway. Yeah, there you go. It was a gay bicycle. <laughs> this sounds this sounds like the world's worst knock knock joke, though, doesn't it? <laughs> it's like knock knock. Come on, guys, knock knock. Who's there? I ran. Don't shoot. <laughs> Come on, play along I, here. I ran away. What? <laughs> I ran up and down the block killing all your neighbors. <laughs> it it shouldn't be funny, but guys, this this is it really shouldn't be. This is year the year twenty fourteen. Right. And this stuff is happening. And it, it seems to be Look, I've no doubt it's it's been this bad all along. Right, but right. But now, every day, there is no shortage of these articles in the news fueling podcasts such as this. And <laughs> to to desensitise the way that people can absorb this, you, you have to do something a little different. I mean, you can sit on the news and, and, and deliver this story straight-faced and have no impact on people. You know, yeah. they're not going to change yeah. their, right. their their daily schedule. But guys, this is why you fight. Yeah, <laughs> this it is. This is why you begin to reason with people. Yeah. Because on the same, you know, just, just imagine America, another, if it wasn't a secular government, and it's currently borderline, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Imagine if it wasn't a secular, is it that hard to imagine? I'm trying not to go down the, the slippery slope fallacy here, but is it that hard to imagine? You know, it's funny that you say, like, you know, this 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 isn't an isolated incident because uh, there is another article that we we didn't do this week. That's the Boko Haram people in Nigeria. They possibly killed 400. So they're they're the Islamists there are, are, are spreading, you know, their terror by killing lots of people. And they've been killing people and 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 ruining lives down there for quite some time. And 
And uh, there was, you know, recently there was that big march that happened in Iraq. And I mean, you know, like there's a lot of stuff going on where people are just there. There's a lot of people losing their lives. I want to say in Iraq, somebody like something like 1700 people were killed, you know, and I, not all this is is religiously motivated, but there is a Sunni Shia thing going on over there. And then this is this is clearly religiously motivated. The one we're talking about, they are specifically asking at one point, there's woman answered the door. They said they came to my house at 8 p.m. and they asked in Swahili whether whether we were Muslims. My husband told them we were Christians and they shot him in the head and chest. So clearly, I mean, they're looking for people to murder that are not the same as them. Yeah, you can't pretend this is not religiously motivated violence. You know, it's so funny, though, because you can already hear the protestations from the from 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 Islamists, you know, and from people who are worried about being uh, not 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 appearing sympathetic to bad ideas. Um, and, you know, they'll say, well, you know, it, it, this is this isn't all of Islam. This is not representative of Islam. And it's like it doesn't need to be representative of all of Islam. There's no such thing as any one group or person or people that is representative of an entire uh, idea set. But clearly these ideas are being used as a tool for violence, as a tool to excuse and rationalize. It's representative of faith. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's It's true. representative of what yeah. people can do when given the right set of circumstances. And the right set of circumstances, because people take the path of least resistance. You get told something, well, it's hard work to go and research to find out if there's actually something contrary to that claim. So you take the path of least resistance, you form your beliefs on that, and the cycle continues. We're going to have Adam back at the end of the show. We're going to do a short interview with him uh, after we cover some stories. He's going to he's going to spend some time in Glory Hole Studios polishing the solid gold black plug until we're till we're ready for him. It's like it's always been the little women that caught the vision of giving, beginning with Jesus Himself, out of their private means. Some of you little precious ones have that little grocery money, some of that little money set aside. Assure tonight the blessings of God on your family by giving it to God and speaking that. Say it, God, this is for blessings on my family. So this story comes from the Christian Post. Evan- evangelist? I was going to say evangelicist. That, that sounds not. better, actually. It sounds home an evangelicist. Evangelicist. I like that. It almost sounds like he's a performer of some kind. Huh. He's an evangelicist. Huh. Uh, evangelist Benny Hinn, citing financial teacher Todd Kuntz, asks supporters to donate $1,000 in higher seed level giving. And if that didn't make any sense for you, let me boil it down. Benny Hinn wants your fucking money. He wants a grand. <laughs> he wants a cool grand. I gotta a say, thousand dollars, yeah. man. What would you? I'd fuck. I'd rather seriously take the thousand dollars from the bank in fucking rolls of quarters <laughs> and shove them up my ass <laughs> than give them to this guy. You know, I will say that just like looking at this page, right? If you look down, there's a there's a screen cap of his page, and it, the first one is feed the hungry, and it's called a hope seed, and that one looks like. It's like, I don't know, it says, sow your $30 monthly hope. So essentially, that's a $30. That's the lowest level is a feed the hungry. Then double portion seed, which is $200, double for your trouble, which is Job 42.10. There's no way it's double for your trouble. What do I get double of? Do I get double Jesus hugs? 
Like, does does fucking Mary give me a blowjob? Like, what is that? Double your... But that's $200. Okay, so the double portion seat is $200, even though the first one is $30. Okay, anyway, so it's $200. So, okay. <laughs> the breakthrough seat, though, is only $73 more and accept, expect supernatural change within 90 days. And that guy, he's going to need it within 90 days because he's going to die very soon. He doesn't have 91. <laughs> exactly. But then the thing I don't understand is the triple favor seed is a thousand bucks. Now, double portion is a hundred from 30. No, double portion is 200. Or 200, yeah. And then yeah. triple is a thousand? Yeah, well, look. No, no, no. You just don't know math. Okay, right. So you start with 30. Right. Then you double then it. Then you double it. So right. you get two 60, times 30 right? yeah, is 60. Is 60 right. plus your God's 90. Oh, uh-huh, Or your yeah. God's 30. Yeah. So it's like it's Jesus loves you for 30 more. Okay. So then there you go. And then 273, that, that comes from, <laughs> two, yeah, no, 273, everybody knows that 273 is $183 more than 90, <laughs> which is three times 30. About? Which is thirty more than twice thirty. So I'm sure. I mean, you're right there. I mean, you're I right don't on the know cusp. what you're talking about. Is this common core you're trying to teach me? And then, <laughs> you know, then you take your two seventy three. Because I'm going to learn your it. damn common core. You know, I just look at this page though, and it has it's essentially all the same problems that prayer causes, but then it also has like the sadness of walking through a casino slot section at like <laughs> seven a.m. on Wednesday morning. Doesn't it though? I mean, you like read it, you like look at it, you're just like. Because everybody's essentially asking for shit back. They're just like, I want something right. back. And it really feels like you're feeding fucking coins into a machine that's going to, you know, putter some things out that you're going to call a miracle, but it's not going to, you know, it's, it's clearly not going to deliver because it's not fucking no. real. What strikes me, too, is like the first one is like, feed the hungry. Yeah. Here's 30 bucks. And then the rest of them are like, fuck the hungry. Feed yourself. Right. You know, like get shit for you. Like, like if you, if you want to actually help other people... You can give, and there's like a picture of a fucking sad African kid. Right. <laughs> you know, exactly. it's like, oh, fucking sad. Here's 30 bucks. So, like, the little, so what, what they're saying is the least important thing to do is look outside the self. Looking outside the self and helping others is the least valuable of right. the four You're things. Absolutely right? right. And then you notice, too, that, like, like, do you see the financial freedom pack? I do. That's down there. <laughs> yeah. My guess is the financial freedom pack costs a lot of money. I bet it does. <laughs> I bet it you does. You know, it's very, it's very infrequently that you hear, like, Warren Buffett talk about how, like, Jesus just gave him buckets of cash. Right? <laughs> right? Like, <laughs> he did not find it at the end of a rainbow. Right, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I, you know, I'm just, I'm just glad... You know, he's talking about seeds and in the long tradition of seeds, you know, like Catholic Church has been given its seed to little boys for a long, long time. <laughs> and I think that this is an important tradition that they need to carry on. So, Cecil, before we go into this next story, I want to I want to just tell you that earlier today, um, my wife was giving me a hard time because I was spending the whole day, you know, doing other things. I was I was drinking mostly while I was doing them. And uh, she seemed to be insinuating that uh, I spent the whole day drinking and, you know, very little of the day uh, actually getting anything accomplished. And I just I just think that's kind of rude um, before we go into the next story to to insinuate such a thing <laughs> without any direct evidence. You just um, open that's fucking two beers. Really, that would be, no, Cecil, that would be gross. <laughs> that would it's be just, accurate. 
You just opened two beers. Well, I want to make sure that they're look. It, if I if I have the beer open in the middle of a story, <laughs> that's interrupting to the audience. You don't want to. You want to make sure you're quiet. I see. This is this yeah. is a police. So this is me looking out for you. I have edited around so many farts and burps and fucking <laughs> clearings of the throats <laughs> and like pr- sounding of someone vomiting in the background. I have edited around it all. <laughs> I like to, again, I like to think that I am looking out for yeah, you yeah. here. That's how this so. works. All right, this next story comes from Right Wing Watch. Uh, Dutch sheets. What? I don't even know what, I don't even know what that is. Dutch, Dutch sheets. sheets. I, when I saw this, I was like, is that, is that like where you fart under the sheets? They, <laughs> no, I think those, I think these are the kind of sheets that are endorsed by like Martha Stewart living. Like they have a really high thread count. Dutch sheets are just all made out of wooden shoes. You're just like they're like windmills, like recycled windmills and tulips. Right. It's just like oh, they only come in orange. You know. (laughs) These sheets are alive with the sound of music. Um, (laughs) That's not the Dutch. I don't care. God needs an army to save America from demonic destruction. Well, probably. Yeah. Because one thing demons hate is armies. Oh, yeah, God, you and one army. <laughs> <laughs> this one. Wait a minute. The one that, Aren't you? The one that Dutch sheets fucking uh, like beats out of the bushes. That's the one that's going to take over, right? Well, let's just hope the demons don't show up with any iron chariots because they'll just be like, fuck. Yeah, just fucking nothing. We like God, just like nothing we can do about that. What's the story behind that? I hear that all the time, but I don't know the story. There's a line, like so. So in the Old Testament, like God, like shows up to battles, like fucking shows up, like, like God, like fu- like in like armor, like no, no, no like Jeffrey like, Baratheon, God or- up, but like fucking like God fucking smites a whole bunch. Oh, of okay. Folk. Right. So he lays so, the like, beats he has on people. To right. Okay. Attend the event for the smiting. Right. Okay. But then there's like there's this one like scene in the Bible where like they go to their enemies because like the whole Old Testament is all about fucking like it's like a fucking real estate land grab. It's fucking Chinatown. <laughs> so like the whole Old Testament. And there's is a like lot that. of incest too, so it is a lot like Chinatown actually. Yeah, there yeah. You go. Like people's noses just get yeah. cut. But like they show up and like at one point, like there's a there's a line in the Bible where it's like they showed up to fucking smite the I don't know, the Hittites or whatever. But they had iron chariots, so there was nothing anyone could do. So they're fucking stymied by iron chariots. The Lord is with the men of Judah. They took possession of, possession of the hill country, but they were unable to drive the people from the plains because they had chariots fitted with iron. So the fucking God was there. He was like, I got this shit. I'm fucking. It'd be like if fucking Superman showed up in like an <laughs> MMA fight. And then the dude had brass of- knuckles and Superman yeah. was like, uh-uh, fuck yeah, that. No, I got to go. Uh, brass knuckles made out of kryptonite. Right. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Clearly, iron is God's kryptonite. It's fucking crazy, isn't it? That's awesome. I hadn't. I, I guess I, you know, I'd always heard that and I had heard, you know, the iron chair. I knew the context, I guess, a little bit, but I did not know the whole story. That's very crazy. I had no it's, idea. All you have to do is read that and be like, wait a minute. Wait a minute. What the fuck happened? Yeah. Like they had 
They had fucking wood with some metal <laughs> bolted on it, and an omniscient God was like, uh-uh, sorry, nothing I can well, do, Well, maybe bro. that's why we haven't seen God in a long time, because, man, you know, after the invention of the Iron Chariots, he just, like, went the way of the Amish and just gave up on technology. <laughs> just like, I'm sorry, <laughs> man. Like, I got nothing. I, <laughs> fucking A, man. I, fucking, if I can't handle an Iron Chariot, you think I can handle a fucking hybrid? Right. You're like, Kevlar? <laughs> Are you kidding me? He's like, <laughs> exactly. What about Dutch Sheets? Yeah, so Dutch Sheets, so... Sheets, I guess that's a dude. Like that's actually like a guy. He's a leader in the Dominionist New Apostol- Apostolic Apostolic Reformation. Apostolic. You know that fucking thing where they want to take over. Um, anyway, so he's fucking complaining. Oh, he's the guy with the whole persecution nonsense and all that rhetoric. Um, and he gave a keynote at a conference, right. which was organized. Um, by the uh, idiots from the Family Research Council, uh, which I suspect does very little research and carries very little for families. Um, Anyhow, so he's making fun of uh, churchgoers, and he's talking about how God is not done with America, and he basically says, like, you know, hey, we need, you know, God needs an army because there's fucking demonic destruction, and we need to build an army to prevent the demonic destruction, Cecil. At one point he says, I'm going to read... It says, fellow warriors, we cannot fear that if we resist the government and the political af- activists, we, mo- we might be taken out. Neither can we fear that we might go to jail, lose our government funding. I like that. Lose our government funding or right. tax-exempt status or our business uh, our business is shut down for speaking the truth or refusing to marry the same-sex couples. Yes, these things are already happening. Some are already paying a high price to stand for righteousness. Um, and, and you're like, what, what's, the, what's the high price? They didn't want to marry somebody in some place, and now they can't make cakes there anymore because nobody will buy them. Like that's the high price they paid. That's like well, that's like that's like essentially like like you're giving people bad service and they get bad service, but somehow you want to be like, oh well, you know, I shouldn't have to pay the price for that. Really, if you give me bad service, I fucking why the fuck would I go back there? And I should be able to tell other people that you suck, right? Is that a person? Am I persecuting you because you're a dick? Right. That's persecution, Cecil. It's persecution. People make, you know, what's so funny is these are the same guys who are fucking, they've got their fucking esophagus filled with the cock of capitalism. They really right? do. They really they're do. Like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I got fucking, they're, they're like, fucking tearing up. You know what they're like? They're <laughs> like one of those fish that's trying to swallow, or like a bird trying to swallow a fish whole and they like move their necks like go, 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 just to try to get it in there. They have to like smack their head back. That's capitalism going down their right, throat. Yeah. Right, right. They're like an anaconda eating a fucking alligator right <laughs> you know like they're fucking dislocating their exactly. jaw to fit it. they're fucking mascaras exactly running, i'm just saying <laughs> and <they're- laughs> but these same people as soon as the free market turns on yeah. them right because that's really what we're talking sure. about we're saying like hey man when we fucking have businesses run by a bunch of shithead bigots who want to discriminate, and then you guys won't come buy our fucking food items, or, you know, you guys are fucking mean to us, or you don't want to give us fucking free taxes right. or government funding. Now like, it's a big all deal. All of that stuff, yeah. which is clearly, like, if you're fucking choking on the cock of capitalism that hard, like gobbling the knob of the free market, and then the free market's like, all right, here's what the free market's like. You're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. What I meant by free market was... Government money and fucking shielding yeah, protection. from uh, my bad protection behavior. from my bad exactly right. that's exactly it, and they also they also I I think play up the card 
he says at one point, he's like, I pledge my life, my fortune, and my sacred honor, everything to stop this insidious plan of hell. And you're just like, okay, you know, there's there's clearly, uh, you know, the rhetoric here is so thick, and he's he's utilizing, essentially, you know, this huge straw man slash ad hominem. You know what I mean? Like, it's a straw right. man, because he's essentially saying, like, these are their positions when it's not really anybody's really position, and then it's... These are the, you know, these are awful evil. I mean, these are evil people. An insidious plan of hell is basically saying the opposition to me is made of pure evil. They are only here for your and everyone else's destruction, and you need to make sure you stop it. Like, that's just, I mean, really? That's where we're going with this? And 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 and, and the stuff he talks about is, you know, it's like gay marriage stuff. It's always gay marriage, man. What else is there? They got fucking nothing left to say. Like, see, like, I look at this and it's like, you have nothing left to say. Like, it just always comes back to gay I marriage every time. I can't see how gay marriage is somehow going to destroy the world. Like, I mean, I just can't put those two things together. It's like being like, you know, like, that's like saying cross-stitch is responsible <laughs> for the bombing of the two towers. You know what I mean? Right? You're just like, well, those two things don't even make any sense. <laughs> right. Well, you know what I love, too? I love when they talk about, like, Fellow warriors. Yeah. Fellow warriors. And it's warriors. like, really? Yeah. Because what you really mean is prayer warrior. And what you really mean is idiots who hope in the same building together. <laughs> That's not That's a warrior. Right. That's not a warrior. Like, Bring me, you know what a warrior is? Yeah. Somebody who goes to war. Right. Like, that's a warrior. A warrior is a motherfucker with a shield and a spear or a fucking Kevlar vest and a fucking IED detection thing. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, that's a fucking warrior. I want an IED detection thing. That's a, I'm sure that's I a have no need for it. I just term. want one. I just want one. Yeah. Like, hey, what is that? Well, technically, this is an IED detection thing. <laughs> It's from Sony. And yeah. <laughs> it's, remember those ones they sold? Yeah, the one, the fucking yeah. dowsing rods? Yeah, yeah those, those are like, great. Those are IED detection things. Filled with yeah. goldfish or whatever. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's just garbage. <laughs> it's just like it's, actual it's garbage. It's filled with like pencil shavings and spit. You know, you're just like, come on. This isn't even filled with anything. I just pray over this equipment. We speak over the PowerPoint presentations, the, all of the video projectors, and we we'll say, devil, we know what you love to do in meetings like this. And we say, you will not, in Jesus' name, you will not prevent this message from going out. No microphone problems in Jesus' name. So this story comes from irishtimes.com, and I actually love this story. Um, Mick Alice, whoever that is, um, <laughs> says asking bishops advice on family life is bonkers. Um, and I like this because uh, it is fucking totally bonkers. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> So Pope Francis has a uh, his plan to ask a synod, 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 synod. Sure, synod. one of those things. Yeah, one of yeah, an S Y N O D. That's not a You've word. You've had a lot to drink because normally you're on point with the pronunciation <laughs> no, of <I'm> things. <laughs> so ask a synod of bishops to advise him on whether church teaching on the family should change, and it's like. She, she says, uh, there's something just profoundly wrong and skewed about asking 150 male celibates I love that shit. to review teaching on family life. And it always strikes me as terribly amusing when people are, you know, they have to go through that, uh, like, pre-canna and, like, yeah. all of the other, where they'll go to their priests, they're like, ah, man, I'm having a fucking tough time at home with the family and the wife. I'll ask my priest who has no family or right, wife. Right, right. When, when I was... Uh, I went through pre-canon because my wife was a Catholic when we got married. And, uh, you know, we went through it. 
And I remember there was a couple things that were on our test because you have to take like a fucking aptitude test to see if you're like compatible with each other. And we Is scored. It Scantron, please say it's I Scantron. think it was Scantron. Are you fucking kidding? It was me? multiple choice. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, no, Did it's you have to use a number two penis? No. <laughs> Because I've been called a pencil dick many times. (laughs) (laughs) No, that joke was great because it had two parts to work. It really did. You had to. We had to sort of. You had to sort of stick it in there. You know what I mean? Just sort of wiggle it around. The uh, but the guy like essentially like looked at our quizzes and then said, and I love it. It's a fucking quiz. I mean, it's so ridiculous now looking back on it. But essentially, if you want to get married in a church, you have to follow the rules. Like so, and we were we were sort of sort of pushed into a corner because Sarah's. Sarah's parents at that point wanted us to get married in a church. So it was, you know, it was really an important thing for them and for her. And, you know, it's like, okay, well, we've got to do this thing. So I went through it. And the whole time I'm just saying, I'm just sitting there like, are really like this? And, and like one of the things that you do is like, you have to go on a retreat, like for a day and you essentially just go there like to this like little retreat center and a nun like essentially this nun did stand up comedy all day. She just talked about like how you're supposed to talk out your problems and and then like, you know, here's a funny anecdote and I'm a nun, so it's even funnier, you know, and you're just like, <laughs> Okay, that's great. And then like you left that thing and then you had to do your little t- and you had to meet with a couple. So like like there's couples who pledge their time and you go talk to them. And they essentially just give you like aw shucks advice for like Three hours at three times a time or so. I don't know how much oh it was. It was like God. an hour. Did you have to come up with questions? I don't remember. I don't even remember what what we talked about. They seemed like a nice couple, and they had a nice house, and they were nice enough. They offered me a coke or whatever, you know. And you just sit on their couch and they. I'm talk. sure they were super nice people, yeah. but I like if if I didn't have any fucking relationship questions, I can imagine just being like. So yeah, I mean, essentially, you're you getting it's, it's like I mean, it's like getting you know sexual and not even sexual advice, just relationship advice from some stranger. So right. I filed it in a place where I file all things that I'm not going to use again, and I, and I essentially deleted it from the RAM as soon as I left their house. Because, I call that cognitive yeah. dissonance, my friend. <laughs> it's like I don't even care. I'm just like whatever. You're a person I don't care about, and you're going to tell me about things I don't care about. So I'm just going to pretend I care while I'm here, so that you could tell the priest. Yes, they were very nice couple and they deserve to be there. I don't even know. Like, are they our judge? I don't even know what you do with it. Anyway, so then we we leave there and then we have to take this little test. So there's three parts to it. The third part is the test. You take the stupid test and then you sit with the priest and the priest is starting to talk to us. And the whole time I'm thinking to myself, and I even said it to Sarah on the way, I'm like, I'm not going to take any relationship with this guy. He's never fucked anybody. I'm just like, like he's never had an intimate relationship with a woman. How the fuck am I supposed to trust this guy? And so we sit down and he starts talking about a couple of things. Like, there was a couple of things. Like, one of them was um, we both scored like 94% of each other's stuff. But like one of them was we wouldn't forgive the other one if they cheated on the other one was like one of the things that we said. And he's like, that's a big problem because you need to have forgiveness. We're like, it's not a problem for us because we know our boundaries and we know what we do. And he's like, well, right. it's something you should. And we're like, we're not interested in talking about that. Like, that's a thing that both of us agree on. We're done. You know, like, and that was the end of it. Like, that was the But it's like, it's like the whole time there's a guy who's a fucking, you know, a, a celibate man who's trying to tell me about how I need to be forgiving if my wife ever cheats on me. And it's like, no, I don't need to be forgiving. And my wife is in the exact same boat saying, I don't need to be forgiving. <laughs> you know, it's just, it's super simple because both of us agree on it. And the one thing I want to say about the story is there's a, there's a, 
this push, this sort of theology to sort of get women. You know, it's like we don't need the new theology of women. She says at one point, we want this old. We don't. We just want to end the bull, the old boys club. And she's essentially saying like we want to make sure that women are included and women are inclusive. And you know, they threw the idea of women priests out when the they were talking about it recently. And it's like. I actually kind of hope they never include women. And the only reason why is just so that as time goes on, it gets more and more out of date and people recognize how crazy and out of date these practices are. And then they start to question more and more of it. I hope the church never changes. I hope it keeps all its crazy, stupid beliefs. And then all the people who eventually, you know, realize it's garbage, but we're doing all the good works that the church does. Come over and be like, fuck, I guess I didn't need all that to like give my money and give my time and give this, you know, these things to other people. We, Lord, we just ask to, to be covered with the blood of Jesus. Open hearts, Lord, open hearts. So this story comes from Mediaite. Christian metal star convicted of attempted murder admits he was secretly atheist. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> In fact, <laughs> the whole band was secret atheists. <laughs> Tim Lambesis, the front man for a popular Christian metal group. Uh, Christian metal group, by the way, is called As I Lay Dying. Because there's the good news. Anyway, uh, Christian metal group. Is from, it really called yeah, As I dude. Lay Dying? Yeah, the band is As I Lay Dying. Um, anyway, he, he was a secret atheist, Cecil. He's a secret. In fact, the whole band were a bunch of secret atheists. Yeah. And they, they didn't tell anybody because they didn't want to uh, they didn't want to affect their sales. They thought if everybody found out that the Christian rock band was a bunch of atheists, that they wouldn't make any money. Well, yeah, I guess that's probably true. Um, he says, I'd get three pages of the traditional evangelical conservative point of view. And then I get three paragraphs, or sometimes even just three sentences from the atheist perspective. But even just a few sentences in, I'd think, this whole point of view makes more sense. Even when it wasn't being well represented, in the process of trying to defend my faith, I started thinking the other point of view was a stronger one. Okay, you know, whatever. I mean, a man fucking deconverts. It's like, it's not even a story. But here's why we're talking about it. We're talking about it because of this quote. And I'm going to read it, and then Cecil, you can go. Says, he says, the first time I cheated on my wife, I, I hate even reading this. The first time I cheated on my wife, my interpretation of morality was now convenient for me. I felt less guilty if I decided, well, marriage isn't a real thing because Christianity isn't real. God isn't real. Therefore, marriage is just a stupid piece of paper with the government. I thought of myself as super scholarly at the time. My academic pursuit has led me to this. I was sincere to a certain degree, but we all hear what we want to hear to justify our actions. I interpreted the evidence how I wanted and felt it was intellectually dishonest to consider myself a Christian. I felt at best I could consider myself agnostic, and at least I would consider myself an atheist. Everything is wrong with that. Yeah, yeah. I kind of want to go through it a little bit and talk about it. Um, He says, God isn't real, therefore marriage is just a stupid piece of paper with the government. Actually, marriage is a promise with your wife. That's what marriage is. So... You, you know, you weren't even thinking about what marriage was. It's not a promise to the government, right? I'm not, I don't give a fuck about what the government thinks about what my marriage is. But the, the real meat of it is, is that it's a, it's a promise to another human being. That's what marriage is. 
That's what, you know, a union is, right? You're promising that you're going to be with that person. You're going to, you know, love and respect them. And if you promise that you're going to be faithful, then you're not going to sleep around on them. It's that simple as that. It's not a, there's nothing there. That's why that whole statement is wrong. Cause he didn't understand what he was getting into. Well, and it's not like becoming an atheist means that you no longer have a moral structure. You know, he says in here, too, my interpretation of morality was now convenient to me. That now word is problematic to me because what it suggests is that his morality is in flux. What right. it suggests to me is that now, now his morality has changed. Now, all of a sudden, there's something which is different about his ability to differentiate right from wrong. Um, well, nothing should change your ability to differentiate right from wrong. Is hurting your wife wrong? I would say probably was, at least it was before, right? When you, when you sure. thought of yourself as a Christian, you probably thought, man, I shouldn't hurt other people. Well, how, why would that change? Because God isn't real. Right. Once you find out God isn't real, isn't it more important how we treat other human beings because there's nothing bigger than another human being? Well, that, I mean, that's a great way to put it. I mean, that's I think that's that's exactly how you should think. And I also think, too, that there's something wrong with the way he thinks, too, when he says, I was sincere to a certain degree, but we all hear what we want to hear to justify our actions. No, I don't. I don't think I do that. Like if I do something like if I hit somebody with my car, let's say, you know what I mean? Like, I don't think to try to justify me hitting with some, someone with my car. I say, fuck, I messed up. I did. I shouldn't have done that. Right. I, you know, like, like there's a, there's something in you that should stop you from justifying your own actions when they hurt other people. I mean, it's as simple as that. You know, it's the old, it's the old, like, atheism means that all of your morals are relativistic. Right. Which, you know, there is a certain amount of truth to the idea that, like, your, you know, the morality comes from a considered perspective. And my considered perspective may be slightly different than your considered perspective, for example, you and I were driving the other day. I would turn left when it says no left turn. You will not turn left, Cecil, when it says no left turn. Right. Right. So, but like, this is not a great moral difference between you and I. No, right? no. This is more no. of a personality distinction sure. between you and I. Um, so, like, that's not a great, like, moral disconnect that you and I have. So, but there, there is likely to be within, you know, some amount of flexibility. But that's not the same thing as sort of like, hey, everything goes on a moment-by-moment -moment basis. Um, instead, what, what happens when you build a moral case for yourself um, is that you're building a system, you're building a fucking flowchart that you put moral decisions through. It's the same flowchart every time. You're not building a new flowchart at three o'clock than you are at four o'clock, right? You're not so what he's what he's suggesting is that we arrive at our answer and then we build a flow chart to support that answer. But that's not the case. Right. You're he's Nobody doing it backwards. Does that. Yeah, you're right. You build the flow chart first. Yeah. And whatever fucking happens at the end is the answer. Is this a moral distinction? And then there's a series of questions that you ask yourself. Right. And most of these are sub or unconscious decisions that you make as you go through your life. But you still, you put them through the rubric, right? And you grade. How did it come out? Did it, did it, does this pass muster? Is this moral, amoral, or immoral? Is it, how does this fit into my definition of self? These are questions, fundamental, that we ask about ourselves as we move through the world. It's not like because I don't believe in God, 
I just decide, you know what I want to do? Rob seven banks. Woo! Yeah. And then just fucking build a series of questions that makes robbing seven banks a, a, a moral good. What strikes me is that this guy's a bad person, right? Like this guy's a bad right. person. It's not like it's not like it's not like he's a he's a good person who somehow you know he just real he just fell out of this moral code and now he doesn't have one and then he fucking flipped the fuck out, right? Maybe he's not a good person to begin with, and that's one of the questions I want to ask before we move on from this. Is do you think there's some merit to that there being some sort of punishment and reward in another life for people that are going to be bad if there isn't that? Yeah, man. I wouldn't have said yes until a moment ago, but maybe I'm thinking, because look, when I look at this guy, all the evidence points that this guy is a shithead, right? Right. He's willing to lie about his belief system to make money. I think when, when one caveat you got to be is like, if this guy is telling the truth, right? Yeah, right. Yeah. But he's willing, he's willing to lie about his belief system to make money. He's willing to, um, and, and in an exploitive way, not just in a being quiet about it at work way. Like he's being actively pretending to be one thing to make money, right? Pretending to be in this Christian band even though he's an atheist. He's actively willing to cheat on his wife despite them presumably having a promise to one another for fidelity. I'm making a presumption there. And then he's also willing to fucking hire a hitman to murder his wife. Right. So it's not a great leap to say this guy's a fucking shithead. Right. 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 He sounds like a shithead. So then I think your question is like, does this, does, does the belief in a morality, does a fucking spiritual choke chain keep people like this on a leash? Yeah. Does it? Maybe it does. But, I, you know, my hope is that these people are 3% of the population. You know what I mean? That, like, most people would never hire a hitman to kill their wife, no matter how much they didn't like their wife. It's not like, not like the only reason, like, you know, it's not like you're thinking, like, man, I got to break up with my girlfriend or hire a hitman to kill her. And I don't know which is the better option. <laughs> Everybody knows which is the better option. It's like it's like either I get a prom date or I blow up the prom. You know, like, <laughs> right? <laughs> or like go all carry on this shit. Yeah. You're all sick. Oh, be nice. Oh, my son doesn't stand a chance. The whole world's gone gay. Oh my god, what's happening now? We work hard. We play hard. <laughs> This story comes from Right Wing Watch. Robert Gagnon, I think that's how you pronounce it, at FRC, Bible says gay Gagnon. sex. Gagnon. Gagnon. <laughs> hey, what's gagging on? <laughs> <laughs> Bible says gay sex worse than incest. Uh, Christian author Matthew Vines published a book entitled God and the Gay Christian. Jesus Christ. The Bible case in support of same-sex relationships. Vine's book so angered the religious right leaders, this blows me away, like Matt Barber, um, that its publisher was pushed out of the National Religious Broadcasters. The Southern Baptist, Con- I can't speak, Southern Baptist Convention rushed out an e-book, God and the Gay Christian? A response to Matthew Vine's. The question mark really is what nailed it yeah, there. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Way to be original. Um, and anyway, Robert Gaganon um, at the uh, FRC, he, he's got some things to say about this, Cecil. He does. Let's, uh, let's, let's listen to what he has to say here. A third corollary 
that follows is homosexual relationships are worse than polygamous ones because it is, again, an attack on the foundation. Jesus derives a view about polygamous relationships on the basis of a male-female requirement set in creation. In other words, it's a principle extrapolated secondarily from a prior foundation that God deliberately designed male and female for union with one another and nobody else. And this is verified by the Old Testament's view of polygamy and homosexual practice because of some degree of license, as we've already seen in the Old Testament for polygamy, not for women, but for men. There's never any license in the Old Testament granted towards homosexual practice because that is the more foundational element of sexual ethics. Even incest, there's some degree of license that's granted uh, because some of the patriarchs engage in relationships that subsequently will be closed off in Levitical incest law long before Jesus arrives on the scene. That doesn't mean incest is great. Ah. Is he really saying that? Did he ah. really say that? There's like some like it's okay, like like okay, there there's a little bit uh you know polygamy. <laughs> he's like he's like polygamy, totally cool, as long as it's not women, right? Like he, yeah. he specifically says that, like like totally totally cool as long as it's not women. And then it's like, oh well, it says maybe and now he's gonna get to gays here. It means simply that it's worse than polygamy because the loophole is closed off earlier, but not quite as bad as homosexual practice, which never has a loophole needing to be closed off subsequently. Why would a, why would a fucking God that knows everything ever have a loophole? Like, a loopholes loop- are things where you're like, I made a law, and you're like, here's an unintended consequence. You're like, fucking, well, let's patch that up with a new thing. Like... If you're a goddess, is like, I know everything. And be like, here's a loophole. I'd be like, I didn't think of that. Wait a minute. Whoops. No. You slip one past old Fucking God again. Definitionally, I must yeah, have keep thought of it. Slipping them past old God. That's awesome. That's fucking great. Yeah, I loophole. wonder too, like, it clearly God has like a rating scale of like relationships. Like, how are they, how does he rate them? Like by like how many dicks they are? Like there's like one dick. Is not good, but like five dicks is good. So like clearly polygamy, you know, like five dicks is good. Right. And then like you work your way down. It's like incest. That's like three dicks. But gay sex, that's like one dick. Forget it. That's not enough dicks. Actually, maybe we switch them around. Actually, maybe it's too many dicks. I think maybe, yeah, we switch it around. Let's switch around the the rating scale. So it's one dick for polygamy, right? Because he said no women. Right. So that makes sense. One dick for polygamy. Then, you know, for incest, we'll say three dicks. And then... Uh, for for gay sex, well, that's way too many dicks. That's five dicks. Well, for incest, it's You're, a dick and a Richard. Yeah, dick. Well. <laughs> I, I don't understand how you can ever look someone in the eye and be like, ah, there's a little wiggle. We got a little wiggle room on the incest. You know, we can, I can yeah. get there. I can, I can totally see having sex with your relatives more than I can see having sex with another person of the same gender. Yeah, I, I, I just don't understand how they, they can even bring these things together. And I think the reason why they're bringing them together is so that they can they can show these two things that don't happen very often that they already kind of demonize um, yeah. are less worse than this thing that they really want to demonize, yeah. right? Yeah. That's what they're doing. Well, and, and so and, they can have a conversation where incest and homosexual marriage are in the same conversation. Sure, right. Even though they have nothing in common. Right. right? I, I wouldn't have been surprised if he would have said, you know, 
bestiality is okay right in that case you know it's like oh well you know there is some because you know there's an amorous woman who gets with a donkey so there is some bestiality in there so you got you know what i mean like so sure sure i wouldn't be surprised if he would have said that that wouldn't have shocked me because that's something that they always try to connect the dots right with. it's a way to create an analogous situation that's not yeah. really analogous So we're back with Adam Reeks from the Herd Mentality podcast. Adam, you recently had a, a little bit of a format change uh, with your podcast. Can you tell us a little bit about what you're doing? Switched it up a gear. Switched it up a gear. It's a lot hmm, to add a little bit more entertainment, so something that's a little more unpredictable. I, I've begun taking great delight in going to Right Wing Watch, which I think is one of your favourite web oh, yeah. pages. Oh, we yeah, we love it. It's just about awesome. every article comes yeah. from there. And there's, there's just no show. Your show writes itself almost. Yeah. Just going yeah. to that website and going... Thank God, otherwise we'd have to do the work. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. I click on a couple of the little YouTube links there and it's really not hard to find somebody who has some very firmly held belief based on nothing but strong feelings and ignorance. And then taking an interview of theirs out of context and I'll, I'll take all their answers, I'll, I'll script some different questions and I really try to sort of stick to the theme that they're talking about but just, just crank it up a notch mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> so they're even more insane just to sort of highlight that. That, that. That's a bit of good fun and I'm doing a little more with the comedy sketches so we're doing a little bit more Ray Comfort impersonations and... Uh, Another sketch called The Champion of Reason, which is one of the few that I actually script with uh, an author, Jim Reaver. And it's all about critical thinking and adventure. It's child friendly, which is about the only part of the show that is child friendly. <laughs> but there's fun stuff there. And then, yes, of course, I just continue talking to strangers I meet on the Internet. It's good fun. So you, you don't script your uh, your Ray Comfort sketches? No, none of that gets scripted at all. We sort of... Get together on the call, uh, get a different person each time to to impersonate an idiot. So we might have somebody on to say, oh, what, what's a good example of something that happened recently? Ray and Raylene had their atheism vaccines wear off. Yeah. And we had to get in Jenny McCarthy. So we said, okay, who can impersonate Jenny McCarthy? That's awesome. Had that person in said, now we need a beginning, middle and end and let's just go. So we just... We just talk and laugh and giggle and break character and carry on for about an hour, hour and a half. And then I go through and spend about 10 hours editing it down so it actually makes some sort of sense. And they're just ludicrous. It's, it's just very funny. We, we enjoy doing them very much. I, I got to say, during that one sketch that you're just talking about, there's a line in there that Ra says that made me spit out my water. And uh, she says, she's, she's talking to Ray Comfort, and she's like, Ray, I'm feeling like, you know, she's like feeling a little horny. And she says, I'm foaming at the gash. And at one point, I, 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 <laughs> oh the water God. just ejected from my mouth. I was like, that is dirty and awesome, and I love it. So they are, they are very foul. amusing. They are very amusing sketches. Um, the stuff that you guys put out uh, is hilarious. The, the idea is that I impersonate Ray Comfort and I'll talk like this and I get very angry about things that don't <laughs> so make very much like sense. It's so, awesome. <laughs> so good. That, that fucking 
Mainly because I don't, I only remember Ray Comfort from like one video and it's where he's like jerking off a banana. Like that's the only <laughs> one I know. I'm doing it right now and I'll yeah. thank you not to steer. <laughs> that totally sounds like. But the beauty of it is, is you can make these people do anything you like. Yeah. So when we have guests on, we say, okay, what's the most ludicrous thing you can think of that Ray Comfort might do, for example? And, you know, we'll have him... Uh, orgasming to death on an eight horsepower solid gold butt plug, or uh, I like whew. that it's solid gold. I do too. I think that's, <laughs> I think that's the thing that pushes it over the head. Not that it's a ho- there's horsepower involved. No, no, no. It's that it's solid gold. It's uh, not gold plated. Yeah, that'd be ridiculous. <laughs> exactly right. You you recently had some uh, some some pretty big people on your show. Who who have you had recently that you're you're pretty proud of? Oh, gosh, there was a blasphemy episode. My, my show, you sort of either laugh or cry. There's, there's very little in between. And in this instance, I had Michael Nugent from Atheist Island, Acharya S., who's a religious historian from the U.S., uh, Sanal Edamaruku, and he's a gentleman who yeah, yeah. sort of exposed in India a miracle of the Catholic Church and then was locked up and... He fled the country as a yeah. yeah, fled the country as a result. And Michael Sherlock from he's an author. He's written I Am Christ and several other books. But they came on to discuss um, a topic like blasphemy, which is actually more pervasive than you might think. And there's hate speech laws that are trying to be passed in governments all around the world. And what I learned is that they're actually very, very similar to religious protection laws because they're so poorly defined that it could mean anything and these laws exist there's a lot of european countries i think it was episode 61 it's called blasphemy in the feed um but you can have a listen to it and get the details on it and sign a petition because we're trying to get the un to change the blasphemy oh that's good laws yeah if you're listening to this podcast there's a very good chance it affects you your government will have something buried away in the form of religious protection or hate speech laws that can be reactivated with the change in attitudes of your particular government. I was really surprised at some of the countries that they named. But we've had uh, plenty of other interesting people on. Uh, coming up on the next episode, we've got a little bit of Seth Andrews, Matt Dillahunty and Aron Ra, so the unholy trinity. So we, we come on and, and chat some nonsense. But typically the, the most fun I have is with the everyday people, and they get to come on and talk about their own experiences, how religion has affected them, uh, science discoveries. It's a very science-friendly podcast, so if we, if I have a scientist who comes on, they've, they've discovered some sort of new whiz-bang discovery or they're trying to raise funds in order to do this research, then I encourage you to get in touch with me. We, we talk about that and we go for something really specific. I love that. That's good fun. Uh, and... Yeah, somebody like Religious T, the religious tourist, he comes on once a month. He's a gentleman in England who's trying 12 different religions in 12 months. And I think this month he's a Mormon. Oh, wow. So <laughs> I always do the, the month-to-month debrief with him. And I, I mean, he's been, a, he's been a Muslim. He did Ramadan. Uh, he's been a spiritualist. He's, been, uh, he's going to be a Jedi in the future. There's I all like these, that. And he, he gives it a good shot over the course of the month. He still hasn't found God, uh, but he's he's probably trying harder than most atheists. <laughs> yeah, and plus he gets the possibility of a lightsaber, which 
Yeah. I mean, come on, you gotta, <laughs> yeah. gotta give him credit yeah, there. About, about as likely as perhaps finding a god, Tom. Yeah. <laughs> but can't hurt to wish, can it? Right. So if people were going to find you on the internets, where would they go? Quite simply, Herd Mentality Podcast, H-E-R-D Mentality Podcast.com. And have a, have a squeeze through see if there's something that takes your interest. But there's a lot of recurring jokes. Uh, none of them are as funny as this show. Oh, yeah, right. <laughs> All of them are more fun. Any single one of them is more funny than anything we've Actually, ever done. Actually, air silence would just be yeah. better. <laughs> it's more funny. Well, there's an idea for your next week's episode, Tom. That, that's one that perhaps you could, even you could put that together. Uh, I'll tell you what, it wouldn't be too hard to edit. So that's good. I like that. Yeah. Adam, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, good luck with uh, with everything in the future, and uh, and we look to hopefully uh, do a skit with you in the near future. Oh, very much looking forward to that. And gentlemen, thank you very much for having me on to discuss some religious atrocities and other nonsense. So we want to thank our patrons. Uh, we just got a, a several brand new patrons. We want to thank Amanda, the Reverend Jesus H. Christ, Shane Jonathan, Alexander, Pascal, Kevin, Michael, and Andrew. Thanks so much for donating to the show. We appreciate all the the patrons that we have. It goes a long way to making sure that the show happens. So we want to thank each and every last one of you. And thank you guys very much. I, I want to also say thank you. I plan to eat all of your donations. We got a message from uh, from from Jim, and uh, <laughs> he sent in a pretty hilarious image Uh but it is in reference to the last, uh, the last um, Mad Lib Viticus we did, Tom. It is. He says, uh, thanks for nearly killing me at work. I usually listen to you idiots while driving around an open pit coal mine. And the esophagus fisting nearly made me wreck. I couldn't see for laughing too hard. I searched Google image for esophagus fisting, and this was one of the pictures I found. I love this. Nailed it. And it's the face hugger from Alien. That is esophagus fisting. It is I esophagus like yeah. fisting. It's actually incredibly accurate. Yeah. Um, and he goes on to say, P.S. One of the pits we are currently mining is referred to as the glory hole. I don't think the old timers get it, but at least it makes the radio chatter interesting. Let me tell you, me. the old timers get it. Sonny. They get it. That's yeah. a, they get it. They understand <laughs> the glory hole. The old <laughs> glory hole. So we got a, uh, another message uh, from from David. David had called in and left a voicemail, and he talked a little bit about that. But then he also says another point I wanted to make. Is, is one that I feel is critical but doesn't get much discussion. Christianity adds on obedience as a moral value. As Matt Dillahoney has pointed out, Christianity doesn't deserve a moral, doesn't have a moral system. It has moral proclamations, but it doesn't have a method of determining, determining moral actions. This is why I am saying that obedience uh, is added to morality by Christians by proclamation. Abraham's intent to sacrifice Isaac is considered a moral act because of the chief moral value in Christianity is obedience. Time and time again, this is reinforced through the narratives of Christianity, not just the Bible, but also the personal lives of the virtuous Christians uh, in the anecdotes, pastors relay, and so on. Look at everything, everything done in Christianity, past or present, virtuous or vicious, and the lens of the obedience being the chief value and the worldview makes much more sense. It's still grossly immoral and simplistically wrong, but at least the method of, of making it is comprehensible. What do you think of that, Tom? I, I actually think that's a very insightful way to look at Christianity. I think particularly the, 
the point out that Christianity does not have a moral system, that it doesn't have a method of determining moral actions. Um, I think that's absolutely the case. It's, it's, not, it's not the case that anybody's going to say, oh, well, because I'm a Christian, I know what to do in this situation. Um, I think because you're a Christian, um, you know not to do certain, not to do certain basic things. But I think those things are pretty generally uh, abhorrent to most people, and you don't know necessarily what to do in times of gray area. So, um, obedience being the driving factor, like the chief motivator, um, that actually makes a tremendous amount of sense to me, and it does actually help me to understand a little bit better, um, kind of how the Christian moral ethic has come to be. This is interesting. We got a message from Matt who talks about, um, he talks about the evolutionary basis of ethics. It says, uh, the nearest we can get to first principles in examining our ethics is I want to live and I value resources. Any organism which didn't hold to these premises would quickly go extinct. Anytime you start examining don't kill, don't steal edicts, our biology lies at the heart of the matter. In the human case, we evolved to excel when we work as a community with divisions of labor increasing our efficiency and our big brains allowing us to plan, make tools and hunt in ways that made up for our lack of speed, sharp teeth, long claws, or effective camouflage. We are, in animal terms, clever spam. Because we are selected animals, low number of offspring, large investment in each offspring. It pays genetic dividends to ensure we know the offspring we care for are the product of our genes. This is easy for women because there are no known mammal, uh, mammal cuckoos, but less so for men. So men abhor rape because it can short-circuit their paternal certainty. Women abhor rape because it's rape. Either way, we know rape is wrong at a species level, as is evidenced by the furtive actions of rapists who aren't so mentally ill they can't connect causes and effects. They know if their actions are found out they'll be punished and even if that only extends to a shunning we are communal and rely on others to thrive so being shunned harms an individual's biological fitness once you have don't kill don't steal and don't rape in hand most of the rest of human morality is just window dressing um i think this is an interesting way to kind of look at things i think that um you know our point in the last episode was that evolution as a set of ideas about how um animals change and adapt over time doesn't tell us anything about whether or not something is right and wrong, Cecil. That's not a method. Evolution itself as a concept in biology is not and does not lead one to a method to determine uh, right. whether or not an action is moral or immoral, though. Right. Like just just and the, and I think that that's the 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 thing we were trying to hammer home, you can't flip open the origin of species and find in there the way in which to live your life. I think the reason why uh, they want it, and like I said last time, they have to connect the creation with the morals. That's how they do it with God, and they want to do the same thing with, with evolution. So they're, they're essentially constructing a straw man, and that's what we were taking apart. But I, uh, this is not lost on us, and I think that this is an interesting interesting point of view. We got a message from uh, from Elena, and uh, Elena sent us this uh, sort of very tragic story of uh, of a. It looks like a couple of people died, and uh, and there's a GoFundMe right now to help take care of the children. Um, I'm going to link to this. This is this is a really sad story about, um, and there's a, there's a whole story behind this. Uh, essentially, uh, two people who were in a car accident uh, and they died. And their daughters are essentially there now, but they don't have anybody to take care of them. So there's a donation link. Um, they were sec- both of these people were involved in the secular movement, and essentially they 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 need to 
they're trying to raise $50,000 to try to make sure that these girls are able to uh, to be able to survive, essentially. So we're going to post a link to this uh, on our website this time, dissonancepod.com, episode 159. And uh, so if you're interested in giving any uh, any of your money to this uh, you can check out a link to both the news story and I'll also give the donation link so you can follow the donation link if you feel like you want to donate to this cause. Yeah, and this is this is a couple that, you know, after they passed, um, a lot of people evidently told Elena that, you know, too bad they didn't belong to a church. Churches can really be helpful. I think the secular community can also be helpful and they can also be generous. Yeah. Um, and so it would be a good opportunity to show um, the world how generous the secular community really can be. We got a message from Mike G about uh, Skepticon. He asked if we're, you know, if we're thinking about possibly going. And we looked at the dates. And uh, as of right now, we're sort of putting it on the calendar. It looks like what's something that we might want to be able to do when it comes time for November. So, Mike, thanks for uh, thanks for the invite. We think we will probably make it down there. So that would be really cool to uh, to head down to Skepticon, which is in Springfield, Missouri, and uh, and get a chance to. You know, hang out, see other people. We had a great time at TAM, and this is close enough to drive to. So uh, so we're looking to do this. We're also looking to go to the Foundation Beyond Beliefs conference in Chicago. Um, that's kind of maybe up in the air for Tom, but I'm definitely going to be at the, at the conference in Chicago. It's the Humanism at Work National Conference. It's going to be on July 18th through the 20th at the Hilton Rosemont uh in Chicago. I'm going to be there. My wife's going to be there with me and hopefully Tom's going to be there too. Uh, so if you're interested in going to that, that's something that we may wind up showing up to. So if you're going to go to that, send us a message and, uh, and, and maybe we'll get you a shirt. Now we're not going to get it to everybody, but if a couple of people send us messages and they are going and they'd like a shirt, send us a message. It's just easier to pick you out of the crowd that way. Yeah. Right. You're essentially wearing the dunce cap, you know, <laughs> the cone of shame, the cone of shame. <laughs> I found out today from Cash from Atheist on Air. He's like, "Hey, by the way, I was searching some Roku channels and he and he saw us listed under a under a Roku channel called Sound Reason." Yeah, that's kind of cool. So I guess if you want to listen to us on your TV through Roku, you can do that. So there we go. Yeah, We're yeah there. So it's another way for us to invade your living space. Exactly. So if you're interested, I will post a link to Sound Reason. Uh, Roku channel on this week's episode. So if you're interested, you can always click on it and add it to your channel list on Roku. We also got a message too on our last, uh, on 157 about the shunning. And uh, this person by the name of Chase had posted on the, on the Stitcher site. Basically they said, uh, and I'm going to quote the very beginning. It says also your assumption that shunning is not beneficial when done correctly is just false. Essentially this person grew up in a religious household and people were shunned or what they call, he says more correctly disfellowshipped. And I said to Tom earlier, I think disfellowshipped is when you die bringing the ring to Mordor it says, <laughs> and, uh, and it helped them to see that their behavior was not acceptable and to turn around and change it's not hateful unless the people do it with hate, like the difference between a father kindly punishing his son and bringing out the belt and whacking his ass in anger. Uh, essentially, this person says, obviously, sexual orientation is not something a person can change, but sex does not equal love, and someone with those urges can decide not to act on them? That sounds 
like really fucking stupid. Uh, why would you care what other people do, whether or not they want to act on their sexual desires? If it doesn't hurt anyone else, that's a fucking stupid stance to have. And then also shunning people is fucking stupid. It's just dumb. That doesn't solve any questions. I was telling Tom earlier, fucking of all the times I've ever fought with my wife, whenever we've decided to ignore each other, that didn't fix the fucking problem. We had to stop and figure out what the problem was and fix it. I don't know what kind of fucking society you could live in where you'd be like, well, if there's some good shunning that goes on. Right. You got to lovingly shun people. You have to lovingly turn your back on those that are a part of your life so that they'll be alienated enough to love you to change in a way that you will accept them for. See, that's that's how shunning works, right? Like, yeah, I don't accept you the way you are. So you have to change in order to fit You're you're like a fucking key that doesn't fit this lock. Right. Like and I'm not going to fucking change. Yeah, I'm, not, and I'm gonna, not even going to I'm not even going to give you the, I'm not even going to fucking give you the dignity of telling you that. Right. I'm just going to shun you. Just some good old fashioned love shunning. That's what it is. Some <laughs> fucking stupid love shunning. That is dumb as hell. Like that idea that you'd be like, oh, well, I'll just stop talking to him. That'll fix him. Like that's a, that's the chi- most childish fucking three-year-old attitude of fucking how to handle your relationships I've ever seen. Remember that time that your car was making like a weird noise and you're like, oh, I'll just put in earplugs. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. La, 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 la. <laughs> oh, the car's fixed. And real quick, I w- we want to say thank you uh, to John. John was kind enough to send us a jo- donation, um, which we received last week. Um, also, he sent some artwork over to us, which is great, and it's going to be uh, gracing the walls of Glory Hole Studios. So thank you very much. It was terribly kind of you to do. So I wanted to say thank you. And, you know, Cecil and I were also thinking, we, we live in the Chicago area, and we were thinking about having a, uh, a first annual, possibly only, Thank you, Picnic. Uh, Cecil and I would host it uh, probably at a forest preserve or a place with a pavilion. We'll brew up some beer and we will serve a little bit of food just as a way to say thank you to our listeners um, who have been kind enough to support us all these several years that we've been doing this show. Um, However, we kind of want to gauge your level of interest, uh, bearing in mind, of course, that we are in the Chicago area. The Picnic would be in the Chicago area. If it's something that you'd be interested in going to, can you send us a message, an email, something on our Facebook page? I don't care. Just get in touch with us some way and say, yeah, I'd go to that. Or no, that sounds like shit. Um, just so we can yeah, get an idea. Yeah, if it sounds like shit, don't send a message. Yeah, How's that's that? True. Yeah, yeah, just don't even send like a message. Yeah. But if it's something that you're interested in, in going to, uh, send us a message, leave us a note, um, just so we can kind of gauge the level of interest um, and uh, book a venue appropriately. Yeah, and if, you, if you're interested, send it to dissonance.podcast at gmail.com, or you can post it on Facebook on this episode. This episode will post on our Facebook page. You can post a comment on this episode, or you can tweet it at us. So we want to thank Adam Reeks from the Herd Mentality Podcast uh, for joining us today. We're going to put a link to his show and a link to his Twitter account on this week's show notes, episode 159, so you can check out his stuff there. He runs a great show, uh, highly edited. Probably, I would say, I would go out on a limb here and say the best edited podcast in atheist podcasting right now is Adam Reeks' show. Um, So you should check it out if you're into shows that... um, 
that really do some really cool stuff with editing. With uh, with, and he does some great stuff with. Uh, we played something earlier of his, the Alex Jones piece that he did. But there's other stuff that he's done that is that is really funny. His skits are funny, and his guests and his questions are insightful. He's, it's a worthwhile podcast to check out. So you should definitely check it out when you get a chance. So that wraps it up for this week. Uh, we hope to see you next week. Uh, we will also hopefully be on uh, Jake's show, uh, the Imaginary Friend Show podcast, very soon. We're also hoping to have Jake on our show. Uh, look for that in the in the very soon category. Uh, we hope that that happens within the next week. But until next time, we'll leave you, as always, with the Skeptic's Creed. Credulity is not a virtue. It's fortune cookie cutter, mommy issue, hypno-Babylon bullshit. Couched in scientician, double bubble, toil and trouble, pseudo quasi alternative, acupunctuating, pressurized, stereogram, pyramidal, free energy, healing, water, downward spiral, brain dead pan, sales pitch, late night info docutainment. Leo Pisces, cancer cures, detox, reflex, foot massage, death and towers, tarot cars, psychic healing, crystal balls, Bigfoot, Yeti, aliens, churches, mosques and synagogues, temples, dragons, giant worms, Atlantis, dolphins, truthers, birthers, witches, wizards, vaccine nuts, shaman healers, evangelists, conspiracy, doublespeak, stigmata, nonsense. Expose your signs. Thrust your hands, bloody, evidential, conclusive. Doubt even this. The opinions and views expressed in this show are that of the hosts only. Our poorly formed and expressed notions do not represent those of our wives, employers, friends, families, or of the local dairy council. <laughs>